Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. In October 2019, Arlington, Texas was chosen to be the home of a new national museum, unlike any other. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a unique home of military history. The 100,000 square foot museums will house exhibits, archives, and artifacts relating to the 3,500 U.S. troops who have been awarded the medal, the nation's highest honor for valor in combat. The museum will have 31,000 square feet of galleries dedicated to U.S. troops who have received the award. The museum CEO, former Navy SEAL and NASA astronaut Chris Cassidy said the museum will focus on education as much as preservation. The building will have five areas dedicated to Medal of Honor winners from the Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. The main gallery will be located in a central plaza under a 25,000 square foot slab of steel, which will appear to be suspended in midair. It will be supported by five pillars. Black Rifle Coffee is a corporate sponsor of the museum, as are the Dallas Cowboys. The museum's board also includes over a dozen major corporations and six Medal of Honor recipients, including David Bellavia, Patrick Brady, and Britt Slabinski. Army Staff Sergeant Bellavia was awarded the medal for clearing an entire house by himself on November 10, 2004, as a squad leader in support of Operation Phantom Fury in Fallujah, Iraq. He killed four enemy fighters and wounded a fifth in close quarters battle. Army Major General Brady flew and coordinated the evacuation of 51 seriously wounded men during a firefight in Vietnam in January 1968. Slabinski, a Navy SEAL chief and team leader, led a rescue team of SEALs during Operation Anaconda in Afghanistan in March 2002. Slabinski and his team flew to a mountaintop ambush site to rescue Petty Officer First Class Neil Roberts, who had fallen from the back of a helicopter. Slabinski led the team through almost constant combat against an entrenched Taliban force. Along with the board members, former presidents Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama serve as honorary directors. The museum is expected to open to the public in late 2024. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with Ms. Fitnation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Ms. Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you are a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. 
Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Misfit Nation. We're live again from beautiful Leesville, Louisiana, in the swampland just outside of Fort Johnson. Uh, we spent the week down here doing our day gig, and uh, this is our last night here, so we're going to wrap it up with a great show, uh, connecting with a, a person we actually met over a year ago, and the show was supposed to come on about a year ago, but hey, time flies by, and we persevered as we talked in the in the green room earlier, and we're coming at you live tonight. He was 27 years old when he relocated to Costa Rica to train employees for one of the larger call centers in San Jose. With a mix of motivational public speaking style, backed by tactful and appropriate rhetoric, he shared his knowledge and trained over 10,000 bilingual telemarketers. He has the largest collection of restored American pinball machines and antique Rockala jukeboxes in Central America, making uh, gamification a strong part of CCC culture. He's Chief Executive Officer of Costa Rica's call center since 2008. So without further ado, let's welcome Richard Blank to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Richard. Hey, Rich. I'm so happy to be here. It's uh, been a great wait. <laughs> I can't wait to share ideas with you and your amazing audience. I, I think you do incredible work. And it's not only leadership, but you're really giving back and giving a voice. And everyone loves your show. I mean, you're big on the internet and you get rave reviews. And so the fact that I'm here today is a huge honor. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for that, Rich. It's awesome. And it's also awesome that you have an awesome first name. So it's easy to get along with you. Right. Since, you know, all worlds collide right there. You have great names. You're leading from the front down in Costa Rica. And when I read about the jukeboxes and the pinball machines, I giggled a little bit and I was like, oh, man, it'd be great to go there and hang out and just and just play them games all day. But then you also have to do some work, I'm sure. So so I'm sure you have to push people away from it to get them to do some work after they start playing them games. Well, there is a work-life balance, of course, but, uh, you know, I tell you, being an expat for the past 23 years, I always try to represent the United States in the best light, especially Philadelphia, so I do the best that I can. Outstanding. Richard, I gave a little bit of, a little blurb about you really there, uh, saying, I mean, you said 23 years down there, uh, being an expat for that long, uh, that's a long time to be an expat. Give us a little bit more about you from as far back as you want to go to how we got where we are today. Sure, of course. When I was growing up, my parents were very generous. And during Christmas and spring breaks, we would go to Mexico. So besides having a great time, I would come back with vocabulary words. And I would try with limited grammar, but extensive vocabulary in certain topics. And I was getting a lot of reinforcement from Latinos and other people that just didn't see it as passing. It was a passion. And in high school, I had the chance to take it. So Spanish was my favorite class. And when I graduated to Proud Abington in 91, I went to the University of Arizona and was a 
Spanish major. I don't kid yourself. I wasn't the best student. I got a uh, college recommendation letter from the principal, my Spanish teacher, to pay it forward. And so I believe in momentum. I knew where my strengths were. I wasn't going to fall under the pressures of certain career expectations or academics where I just didn't have the maturity structure or discipline. And I wanted languages. So I interned for Telemundo in college, post-grad work for Corona. And at 27, a good friend of mine from college gave me a one in a million opportunity to come to Costa Rica for just a couple months to teach English. And you know what happens when a barn door is open? That horse is a gone, yonder. And so I said, I got past parents' guilt. I continued my vision quest. And I knew that there was something out there where if I tried to drink life and go for it, there is a very good chance I could live a very fulfilled life. And this is where we are today. Outstanding. And I mean, Costa Rica is not a bad place to be. It's a, a beautiful country from uh, things I've seen about it, read about it, or from friends who've been there. They always tell me how great it is. I've not been there myself, but obviously you love it there since you've been there so long. Tell us a little bit about the culture in Costa Rica. It's a beautiful culture. Their expression is Pura Vida, which translates to pure life. We're known for ecotourism, medical tourism. But I tell you, people come down here to find themselves, sometimes lose themselves. <laughs> but um, you really get in touch with nature if you're into healthy eating. Rich, you would love to go with me on Saturdays to the feria. And they just have rows and rows of the freshest produce and exotic fruits and, you know, seafood. And it's just, it's a credible experience. So you can eat well for, you know, economically. And the cost of living here is about a third. You don't really need air conditioning and heat. If you're living in the city at the beaches, you might need AC. So it all depends on how you want to live. And for me, things in Philadelphia in the United States hold certain precedent, but down here, if it's eliminated, then it's really more your death in essence. And I, I just wanted to know if there was substance to me and if I could do something outside of my comfort zones. Now, I was a Spanish major, and I had friends here, so obviously I'm starting on third base. <laughs> but then again, you can fumble a football from time to time or Definitely. lose the play. And so I had to be a little more mature and take it seriously. And you incredible military and what you do when you're deployed and you're serving is you, you want to come back and you want to come back alive and strong. and this wasn't a game here. As much as I was having fun, I also saw a lot of people that got in trouble. And I'm a guest in this country and I'm far away from home. So not comparing my experience with military training, but there's also preventative measures and street smarts and common sense that you can have. Yes. Right? And so by sticking with that discipline and structure, I was able to avoid certain situations that could have ruined this amazing time that I'm having. But it's a great culture. It's a democratic society, north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. Since there's no standing army rich, they put all their money back into education. So there's a 95% literacy rate. And you're not going to believe this. Amazon, HP, Intel, Oracle, they're here. And we have the most neutral English accent. And so it's a gem. I mean, they have all the advantages. And so for me, it was just, it was a match made in heaven. That's outstanding. And understanding coming coming from the city myself, I come from Jersey City and you're from Philadelphia, just down the road there. Oh, so, yeah. 
So you have the street smarts growing up in the inner city. You have to, in order to survive in the inner city, you have to have street smarts. So that really was a tool in your tool bag, in your tool bag when you went down there. So that helped you to kind of, uh, to use a, a cliche word, assimilate into their into their culture. But uh, I think what you've done down there, I mean, you train 10,000 bilingual telemarketers. That's that's a big number right there, 10,000. I hope the audience can hear that 10,000 number. And uh, training that many people to, to do a job that many people hate when that phone rings and that's a telemarketer, but they still have to do their job. It's their job, their way of life, how they live their life. And you've trained that many in, has there been any leadership challenges for you from the start? And I'm sure now it's all kind of kind of like standard operations now, but in the beginning, I'm sure you had some kind of challenges that you had to overcome. Oh, the only challenge was time. My art is pure. I mean, that's what got me here. And so don't kid yourself, my good friend. I didn't create the wheel. I definitely borrowed from some of the masters. If I may share some of the mentors that influenced me throughout my years. Uh, do you remember the show, The A-Team? Yes. Templeton Peck? Yes. Benedict, the face man? Oh, every show I learned at least three or four smooth lines or transitional sentences. <laughs> Let's even find another master during that era. Do you remember Remington Steele with Chris Osman? Wow, you're really bringing it back, yes. <laughs> oh, man, I drive a 1992 Cabriolet convertible. There you but, go. Uh, and also, I'm dressing like him. <laughs> Remington Steele. Now, I couldn't imitate the English accent in Queen's English, but I could definitely choose that choice vocabulary and then i went old school i went to basil rathbone from the 30s and 40s old time radio sherlock Holmes. i can't even compare to this but i love to observe it and study it because he was the greatest speaker in my personal opinion and so i decided that if i were going to do something i didn't have the size and strength of a warrior but what I did have was the tongue and the pen and rhetoric and semantics and arguments and being diplomatic, sometimes falling on a sword in order to move forward. It's, it's interesting turn taking, especially when you're meeting somebody the first time, there are certain tell signs they can give away in regards to clarification or if things are making sense. And so it's an art of speech. And if you swim against current, you're going to hurt yourself. So there are certain ways to use physics to your advantage, like Wu Wei, the philosophy. And by anchoring with people rich, like you and I did a year ago, we didn't forget about each other. First right. basis, we're good. <laughs> and so I could have said, you know, the misfit, Nisha, I, I wanted to be on it. Didn't happen a year ago. We'll catch you later. But this is the way that I do. I sometimes plant seeds or I make such an impression like you did. And when we spoke that it lasted a year. And if you can do these things and build a pipeline and things start popping, then you have a very nice rotation. And so you just need patience. You know, Rich, you're a professional, you're a busy man. And if I was pressing or had other intentions, it's a waste of your time. I mean, you do qualify your guests on your show. And so for me, I, I wanted to not compromise ethics or values and morals. I'm not going to teach people how to lie, but if they speak English, I can power it up. I can teach them to expect certain rebuttals and how to use names 
and positive escalations of gatekeepers and assistance to our advantage to, to show natural appreciation. We do it verbally and in writing. And maybe it's what you learn in the military or what your grandparents teach you. It's your manners, it's your please and thank yous. It's, it's appreciative of those that assisted and properly introducing yourself. I mean, that's, isn't that what we do? I think it's a hundred percent what we do. And I like how you broke it down and uh, brought in the, you brought in the face man, you brought in uh, the Pierce Bronson characters. Remington Steel, yes. Remington Steel, Remington Steel, I'm sorry. <laughs> you brought I in have the, to give homage. <laughs> it's the greatest. Yeah, you gotta give homage, yes, homage. <laughs> you gotta give it to him. And that, that a lot of our audience knows that era very well and they, they understand both them shows and it'll, it'll resonate with them. And understanding how to bring that out when you go into a leadership position read the room and see what they want to hear and see what they what their vibe is and see what you have back here in, in your toolbox to bring to them so i think that's what you did when you went down there you you sat back you watched absorbed and then tackled the challenge of starting the of getting the call center into peak operating position uh, uh, tempo i should say and now it's just basically a well-oiled machine where you have your pinball machines you have your your jukeboxes in there but you also still go back home and give keynote speeches to in Philadelphia. Oh yeah. So how does how do you go back and when you go back to Philadelphia, I'm, I'm sure things have changed a hundred percent since you left there. I know it changed, Jersey has changed a million percent since I left there. Uh, when you go back there and you look out into the, into the students that are sitting in front of you, do you see you and your friends sitting out there still and you're talking to you and your friends, or do you see the future of our country? The first I see are, are my stripes of my high school, my maroon and white, my fidelity to Abington. So it's Abington first, and then I learn your name. And that's just how it is with me. But I got very lucky because when I went back for a reunion six years ago, I befriended the principal, Angelo Berrios third. He's a Marine, or ex-Marine, and a very good friend. Semper Fi. And through the years, he gave me gifts. I first got to come and visit and do a December chatter in the library, which was great. <laughs> so I got to relive that for a little bit. And then I got the honor of being a keynote speaker for the 68th induction ceremony for the National Honor Society. And I was not an honor student. And then it got one step further. I was nominated and I actually won the award of the Hall of Fame for business wow. at Abington. I'm with Stephen Schwartzman and Amor Bose and Ashton Carter, our Secretary of Defense. Oh yeah, that was an Abington grad. And Bob Saget and Michael Ooh. Buffer, let's get ready to rumble. Eddie George and Sean Wood in NFL, they were my year. And me, your buddy Rich Blank, I'm standing with them strong. And I had an adventure, I had the vigor, I had the grit. And so when I go back to Philadelphia, yeah, my street's different. I don't live in that house anymore, which we had huge parties. And um, I was actually the class partier, which was cool. And so that was my senior superlative. That's how I, I made my friends and used that influence of traveling parents to connect people and build personalities. And come on, you work it. But guess what I also learned, Rich, my man? Not to trash a house back in 1988. House was cleaner than when mama left on Friday. 
because that's how you keep things rolling. <laughs> and so as long as you play by certain rules and give back, you can have these things going. So a lot of it were million dollar things that came together, you know, one in a million chances. And so it was crisscrossing of opportunities. And I was very aware of what was happening in the now and wasn't freaking out of the future or the past. But you know what it is? It's, it's getting past naysayers and gray believers and those that may not understand your journey. Right. But my man, if there's way too many people that are saying thank you or good job or go Richard, go, why would you stop? Why? And even if it's your own journey, and sometimes it feels like a forced march, but in your heart, you know you got to make the distance. But I tell you what, for me being an owner, I want to share a secret with you. I got, I'm 150 strong, so I don't need to cattle call it and just bring in battalions. But I can be selective. So people are qualified of English levels, work experience. But Rich, you want, you want to know what the secret is for me. I got to know depth. Turn your paper over. Write me a couple paragraphs of a coming of age moment. I want to know when you beat up a bully or saved a kitten. Show me something. Why? Because Rich is going to ask you a question on his podcast and you need to zig and zag and be in the moment. Plus, I want to give you a cool nickname and I want to pick you up on a rainy Wednesday. <laughs> You're not feeling good. <laughs> of course, I'm going to use that for my advantage. That's my psychological exam with you. But uh, I also want to know if you can't answer me a straight up cool question, then I can't work with you. Then you're too stiff. You're too much of a print. There's no straight lines in nature. I need someone to be in this circle with me and to contribute. And if I can find those people, they last. And that's how you build a huge foundation where you can delegate and grow. And, but Richard, why don't you hire someone that's a supervisor for 10 years? I'd rather have a page, a squire, someone I can mold that does have no bad habits, right? right. And we can de decompress them from family traditions or superstitions or things that don't make sense in the real world when you're working. But you know what it is too? Since we're from the Northeast, I like to call the balls and the strikes. <laughs> and so if I can call somebody out on it and prior doing that, I ask their permission to make a suggestion. So I get that entry. And then I give two or three examples of myself back in the day when I was learning how to do some knockouts. So I'm anchoring too many times for them to even know what to do. I know what I'm doing. You're in my wheelhouse. Calm down, slow down. I'm going to teach you what to do. And if they're willing to be taught and they shed skin and have breakthroughs and become exceptionally marketable and make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Outstanding. And everyone wants to make money. Even some will say they don't want to make money, and but money does make the world go around, even though, some people, like I said, say it's not it's not the biggest thing. It does help you live a little bit and be able to have that that little cushion to be able to travel, to have that party like you did in 1988. Uh, oh, yeah. when, when we partied in 88, that's when I graduated high school. Me and my, my brother also graduated in 88 with me. Uh, we graduated from William L. Dickinson High School in Jersey City, New Jersey, home and ramps, also maroon and white. And uh, we don't have a lot of famous people that came from our school, but we have a lot of people who have done great things since then. So we don't have an Eddie George, but Eddie George does live uh, less than 40 minutes from me now in Tennessee. So he coaches uh, Tennessee State University, not far from my house. So if you ever get up there to see, you're a fellow alumnus coach, 
it'd be great to see you. It would be awesome to see him too. Yeah. But you know, I, I learned from the best. Those that I grew up with, they really were confident. Even though we were in our teenage years, it was incredible to see. I mean, we laughed and cried together. We grew up together. We were very united. And so even to this day, when you're asking the question, do I go home? Sure, the, the streets and the trees and the landscape might have changed a little bit, but I'm embraced as much as I was back in 1988, 89, 90, and 91. Those four years we did those parties, my man, it was great. <laughs> 1244 Farragher's Road. <laughs> you can't beat it. But um, I can see the neon light on there. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, listen, when opportunities there. And those were old school keg days. Do you remember beer balls? Oh, they yeah. were even better because you could put the ice in the box. It was just like a plug and play. You didn't need the tap. Heck yeah. <laughs> How much did you charge freshmen? Five bucks for a cup? You got <laughs> to, yeah. Freshman, freshman prices are always higher. So. Uh, you're so funny. <laughs> And the prices went down as became you know sophomore junior senior i actually worked in a liquor store with my brother my senior year of high school so we had a lot of perks working in a liquor store and bringing uh stuff to school the next day to help uh, people get through school so it, it was it was a different life back then though yeah, <laughs> way different than it is now yes. there was no lights on the on the first and second floor of the house because you know in the east coast we have large basements <laughs> so we yes. put everybody in the basement and you have people watching the you know the stairs to make sure people aren't coming upstairs Cars are parked two or three streets over, or we we had Abington Friends School right next to us on Washington Lane, so they parked there and walked through the woods. There you go. It was great. You never got it. Cops came down all the time. <laughs> There's nobody <laughs> home. Oh man! And people would walk through our backyards. You know, East Coast woods. You can easily get through the woods. And so, um, my friends, if you ever grew up in the Northeast, you have parties in the woods. That's how you get away with it. Yeah. And fences are easy to climb and jump, so <laughs> to get through things. Especially if you pool hop in the summertime. There you go. <laughs> you don't even have to have a pool. Someone else has one. You're good. And I haven't done these things <laughs> since like the '80s. <laughs> You're just bringing back the craziest things. See, fresh memories. See, that's what I do. Right? I bring people, bring back the way back machine here. <laughs> so, yeah. so Rich, what advice do you give uh, people that are getting into leadership positions or starting to be a motivational speaker? What advice do you give them as as maybe they start to get into that road or to that field? Okay. Um, a lot of it has to do with yourself first. Okay. And I, I believe in discipline. Motivation is fine, but I, I need to have certain disciplines in order to show health. And <coughs> But I also believe in my brand. I, I, I don't want to be plastic. I, I always believe that commissioned artists don't paint as well if they paint freely as a spirit. And so for myself, I, I have to be true to my thought process, how I like to have no surprises with clients. You know, if you want to start a business, a lot of it has to do with maturity. And sometimes people can be mature very young if they grow up too fast. I myself, I, I guess I waited too long in life to really hit that maturity wall. It took me into my mid-30s. Maybe I could have started a company in my 20s. I don't know, but I didn't have the impulse control. Grandma taught me if I don't do it in cash, you don't do it. So there was absolutely no way that I was gonna overextend myself and roll the dice on hope. There was no way. I acted my wage and I also figured out strategically how to offset costs by renting turnkey stations at a blended center, renting space, buying used equipment for pennies on the dollar, buying a building, building it out. And this is the course of 15 years. 
And so slow and steady, I can sleep at night. Acorns for the winter, wolf not blowing my house down. These are the things that I was taught. Now, people can put on fronts and that's fine. I like shiny objects and bells and whistles. But in my industry, you really don't need that. A lot of it is metrics and it's really about production relation. So people don't care about certain things. I myself aesthetically wanted to give a pleasing environment for the people with, you know, big bay windows and air conditioning and my games and art deco building, but they need to perform. And so there is some Philly guilt in there and there are expectations. I'm accountable to clients because I hired the person and told them we can do it. But prior to that, I got about four or five checkpoints. I got to make sure your list is good and scrubbed and the script is appropriate that we have certain channels in place in the CRM to convert the leads. So I don't want someone's lack of preparation, Rich, to be my emergency. We don't work like that. And don't expect me to hire 20 rock stars on a Friday afternoon for Monday. I don't work like that either, my man. And I want relationships to be where everything is on the table evenly. So it starts strong. And unfortunately, by default, I've lost an enormous amount of business because of offshore pricing in India and the Philippines or certain expectations regards to scheduling, where it's 24 seven or less hours whenever they want. They're not following labor laws. And then just maybe in regards to language capacity, we don't have certain languages here, so I can't get the account. But it usually happens later on in the call, unless they quickly ask me just, you know, bottom feeding questions where it's almost like we want to get married and work together. But there are just things that just we're not connecting it to the cars that's not going to go. But you know what I do, Rich, whatever happens, regardless of the outcome, I never force a hand. So if I try that sort of aggressive rhetoric, it won't work. So I love to ask and answer questions and clarify and tell stories and and smile and maybe shatter misconceptions of what they would think of a CEO of a call center of telemarketing of, of my medium. And by doing so, I, I, I think I've projected a certain image that's non-threatening and I have lasted in an exceptionally competitive industry. And so for me, I just look left and right and smile. Come on, man, you're from Jersey, you know this. This should have never happened. And that's why I'm on the Misfit Nation, letting you know that sometimes one in a million shots hit. And those that have that extra in them can go that mile that can survive or really be crystal, crystal clear in the moment and see exactly what they need to do. That's that instinct that comes in that only happens maybe once in your life. And I felt it and I would have regretted it the rest of my life if I didn't take it. And so it's not for everybody. It's sometimes selfish, but for me, I, I almost wanted to live a poet's life. And so this was one of the options that I had. Outstanding. And uh, one of our listeners here, uh, a frequent listener and a big supporter of Misfit Nation, he was an EOD uh, soldier in the army. He did a VIT mission down there, uh, escorting a President Clinton to Costa Rica, spent the weekend, loved it down there. Oh yeah. I'm sure had a great time. I'm sure he did. And knowing him, I'm sure he had a wonderful time there. <laughs> so, uh, if you could uh, tell us how to get in contact with you, Richard, 
how does someone get in contact with you? Maybe have you on their show or maybe just a chat with you and, and chew the fat about how to get a pinball machine, a good pinball machine from, from the old days, not these new digital ones, and or maybe a jukebox, and how maybe to pick your brain to see how you did what you did. Maybe they can do the same thing. First is, let's go with dessert first, this pinball machine. <laughs> My suggestion, because the newer ones are tens of thousands of dollars, there's yes. places like Marco Specialties and other stores where if you just get the manual or an electrician can tell you which fuse or piece to replace, you could get a gorgeous machine, Valleys or Willens from the 60s or 70s for 1000 1500 The old wow. wheel machines where they painted the wood. I mean, the conditions of those are just, it's artwork. And it's an easier play because of the inclination of the ball. It's a, if it's a starting game or one for more parlor, that's there. I mean, it's not two of a competitive game, but they're art pieces. They're, they're antiques. Behind me here is a 1961 Mercola Regis. These people have these things all over the country. Wow. This is the only problem, my man. I'm lifting it up thinking I'm getting a cachet of in excess or something. <laughs> it's it's all of uh, Central American artists from like the 60s I've never heard of before. <laughs> I'm giving them out to everybody. But um, yeah, find a machine. Fix them up. Put them in your homes. They're the greatest things. Or if you are into older stuff, there's MAME. It's multiple arcade uh machine where emulator where you can get thousands of games from 77 to 91 and you do that but i like those sort of games and hanging out and the pinball machines to me it's 10 times better than anything virtual you really feel the machine and there are energies about that so that's number one so that's mm -hmm. what i collect down here i got 13 pinballs and six jukeboxes so i'm a little nice. But getting in touch with me, buy a ticket like your friend did that came down here with President Clinton. Come down and visit me. See Costa Rica, walk the roads with me, hang out. But I also have a very large Facebook fan page, about 118,000 local Costa Rican Ticos. So they're going to love the Misfit Nation. And, um, you know, I, I can't thank you enough, Rich. It's, it's great to be here. I mean, I've been following the show for a while. And, and as I say, you, you, give really good advice with people and you have great guests and to be part of that crew is awesome. I'm part of the misfit nation. That's <laughs> great. That's outstanding. And thank you for, again, for your kind words about the misfit nation. I'm sure the misfit, the misfit nation followers would love listening to everything we talked about tonight. Hopefully we were able to reach one and teach one a little bit about both of us here and, uh, and the journey and how maybe they can be successful in their lives. So, Again, thank you for your your perseverance and staying with us for the past year. I know uh, it's it's not easy to, for someone to stay with us, and you you uh, eloquently said earlier why why you stayed with us and why you stay with people when you reach out to them and see what they're doing, and that uh, that made our hearts swell a little bit. There, We're, we try to be as humble as possible here, but it's awesome to have you here. It's very easy to go through life if you want to. You don't have to push and pull. You can respect Rich in his podcast. And if he's ready and gives me a seat, then we're good to go. My final bit of advice for your audience is just not to be hard on oneself. That the things you did when you were younger, you wouldn't do as you're in an adult. You might take a candy bar today. Not only you pay for it, you give extra money. It's right. <laughs> you, you need to let certain things go. And if you're capable of growing from that and paying it forward in other ways, then you're able to expand. And that's what leaders do. If you think leaders are the ones that threaten 
they don't last long. And if no one comes to your Chuck E. Cheese party, you have no friends. <laughs> and look at some of the greatest generals in history. They might have been the toughest, but they were very strong with their convictions. And you asked me a question earlier, Abington first. And the greatest leaders are the ones that say, us first. We come first. And they know that. And I am 100% reliable for the people that work with me. And they know I'm relentlessly positive. And it's authentic. I'm not fake. But listen, if you're not doing your job, we got to give them a Northeast guilt trip. <laughs> and that's how you'll get the bird to come back. Maintain this. That, that's what happens. Because there's leverage. They can leave any time. But when you give that open cage feel, but you give that respect, you can get this new generation to come back. They haven't been treated like that before. And it's a very healthy balance, my friend, Rich. And that's how I want to end my chat with you guys today. Outstanding, Rich. Thanks again for taking some of your time to hang out with us tonight. We look forward to seeing what you do in the future. My brother, you take good care. Peace, brother. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are 